All right, this morning we're going to be talking about it is well, and we're going to talk about it is well with our soul. Uh, Truth be told, we can't really control anything outside of us. As much as we like to pretend and as much as we like to try, most of the stuff that is outside of our world, outside of us, is outside of our control. And when people ask how you're doing, I think almost immediately we focus on external things. When people ask, how's life going? I've been asked a few times this morning, how you doing? Immediately, even knowing I'm preparing this message and even though I'm giving this message, my immediate thought is, well, what is going on externally that determines how I'm doing? And I think right now, as, as you look at the world and you look at everything that's going on and the tension and the, the division and, and both just big picture and in our own uh, personal lives, there's just so much going on. There's so much movement. There's so much agitation is the word that that keeps coming to my mind that I wanted to take a minute today um, to show us in Scripture a couple different places where we can make it well with our soul. And in 3 John, we're going to be in uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Um, Fun fact, there's only one chapter of 3 John, so it's easy to find. Um, This is a letter written to a man named Gaius. And Gaius was the leader of the assembly or the church and um, was really struggling with a bunch of different things. And in verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes with your soul. I was reading that. I've been reading through the New Testament. I'm in 3 John. I'm getting close to being done. Um, And it really struck me this week that John is making a a really provocative statement here that we can be in good health externally. Our body can be in good health. We can be in good mental health, but we can be in really poor spiritual health, that we can be in very poor soul health. And what John is saying here is that there's this idea that our soul needs to be well, that our soul needs to be well because I think a lot of times if our soul's not well, our body's not well, our mind is not well, and nothing else is well. And I think as we um, experience what's going on in the world and it's, it's digested into us, whether it's through the news or social media or conversations, I think it just begins to agitate. That's the word, again, I'm going to use that word a lot this morning, is it just agitates. And our soul is stirred, and not in a healthy way, because sometimes God will stir your soul. Sometimes God does that and stirs your soul that something is not right in the world and something needs to be addressed or somebody needs to be talked to or you need to do something. That's not what I'm talking about. This morning I'm talking about the stirring in our soul that comes when we're not okay. When we've allowed all of the externals to dive directly into our spirit, into our soul, and we're stressed, and we're anxious, and we're worried. Those are the things that I want to talk about this morning because there are two um, specific points that I want to talk about this morning that I think if we can attempt to do these, it can be well with our soul. There's only two. There's a lot. There's a lot that you could pick from. But I'm going to be honest. I picked the two that, have, that God has shown me have worked best for myself and I think will work best for us as we attempt to make it well with our soul. And the first one is rest. The first step that we need to take to make it well with our soul is rest. Now, I'm not talking physical nap rest. I know. I'm not opposed to that. In fact, I will promote rest at all time. I'm going to do a study of how many times you see Jesus taking a nap in the Gospels, okay? It's often. He slept all the time, and I love that. I love that Jesus took naps because that was my favorite part of my freshman year in college. 
My roommate and I had different schedules, and so I would come back to the dorm. I had a break from 1 p.m. until 3 p.m. Prime time to do your homework. Prime time to read and to study, and that's not what I did. I decided it was perfect nap time. Two-hour nap every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It was perfect. It was glorious. I didn't do that in high school because I was at school. They really frown on you taking naps at school. In college, it's fine. You should do your homework, though. That's why I struggled my freshman year in college, because I took too many naps. But the thing is, naps are great, and you need to rest. Your body needs rest. If you're not getting enough sleep at night, you need to take naps. I remember when, um, when my wife first discovered that her adrenal glands were not working the way they were supposed to be. That was one of the prescriptions from the doctors. She's supposed to take a nap every day. I'm like, dope, because if she's taking a nap, I can take a nap, and no one's jealous. Let's do this. This is awesome. So I was really behind the doctor on that one. Um, and so, but we have to understand that our bodies need specific rest, but our souls need it just as much. Because how many of you have been in a place where your body is so incredibly tired that all you want to do is sleep, but you can't because your soul is running? Sometimes our mind is what's running, but other times it's our soul. It's the very core of who we are is not settled and can't rest. And a nap doesn't do us any good. We wake up more tired more physically tired because we haven't allowed our soul to rest. So we're going to be in Psalm 62. We're going to look at Psalm 62. We're going to look at Psalm 62 and Psalm 103 this morning. In Psalm 62, there are two opinions on when this psalm was written. To the, the commentaries I read, the theologians I read, there's two different ideas of when David wrote this psalm. One was when his son Absalom was trying to take over the kingdom. Okay? External stress. External stress, external strife, lots going on. Or the other one, it could have been much earlier in David's life. Um, after Saul's death, Saul's forces, his, his army still was trying to take over um, and continue Saul's dynasty and overthrow David. Also massive external stress. So no matter when you, what camp you land in, whether this was because of Absalom or because of Saul's forces, everything outside of David was stress. Everything outside of, in da everything in David's world was causing him stress, was causing him anxiety, was making things difficult. And we're going to start in verse 1. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. Like, that's, that's a message in and of itself, just that one, just that one sentence. For God alone. And he's able to rest because he has faith in God alone. Placing your faith in anything other than God will not allow your soul to ever rest. If we place our faith in money, if we place our faith in our jobs, if we place our faith in our family, if we place our faith anywhere else but God, our soul will never be at rest. When we place our faith in God, that he is ultimately in control of everything that's going on in our life and is ultimately in control of everything that's happening, good and bad, even in the worst of times, our soul can be still and be silent before God. And the idea of my soul being silent is very foreign to me. Internally, I'm always battling, I'm always wrestling, I'm always striving, I'm always trying to do and this and that, and, and the idea of my soul just being silent before God is very challenging to me. And he says, but I can be in silence because from him comes my salvation. Now this word silence here is not it's it's soul not physical because in this moment david had a lot of things externally to take care of 
Whether he's dealing with his son trying to overthrow his kingdom or if he's dealing with Saul's army trying to overthrow his kingdom, he had a lot to do externally. And this is not a a time, I'm not talking about that we just stop doing all things. Because what I'm understanding and what I'm trying to, to see that God is showing me is that you can be externally incredibly busy doing all sorts of things, but your soul can still be at rest. David was trying to figure out how, if it's Absalom, he's trying to figure out how to save his life and maintain his kingdom. He's trying to, if it's when Saul was trying, Saul's forces were trying to overthrow him, he's trying to wrestle with that and deal with that and be a king and and be a father and be a husband and all these different things. And so externally, lots of movement. But in the middle of that, he's saying, oh my soul, may you be silent before the God that brings you salvation. So I'm busy here and I'm stressed here and I'm anxious here and this is happening and that's happening. For me, at the core of who I am, may I be silent and still. It's not idleness. It's not what we're talking about. There's a time for that too. There's a time for idleness where we need to shut down everything. But there's times where we have to do a lot externally but we can still have silence and rest in our soul. 62.2 He alone is my rock And my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. We're going to look at that phrase, greatly shaken, here in just a little bit. But again, there's one place alone where any of this is found. For God alone, he alone. 62.5. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. Again, he says it twice. That my soul needs to wait in silence. It needs to be patient inside of me, not wrestling, not striving, not trying to get God to do something, just being silent. Sometimes there's a time for silence above prayer in our souls. Sometimes there's a time to just be silent and just wait on God. But this time, he says, the last time it was where my salvation comes from. This time it's where my hope comes from. 62.6. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Interesting. Last time it was greatly shaken. This time it's just shaken. So let's take a look at that. In verse 2, he says, I will not be greatly shaken. And in verse 6, he says, I shall not be shaken at all. And if you look at the verse before those, okay? So we're going to look at 62.1. I'll bring it back up. Let me get back there. Am I there? Yes. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. And then the next verse says, I will not be greatly shaken. When our salvation is set, nothing can greatly shake us. I'm talking about the big shakes. I'm talking about the giant things in life. Nothing can can shake us from salvation. That's a great shaking. If we doubt our salvation and we doubt our, our, where our eternity rests, we can be greatly shaken. But in 62.5, he says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. My hope is from him. Because a lot of us have, have found Jesus to be our salvation, but we struggle for him to be our hope. If he's our salvation, we cannot be greatly shaken. But if he's our hope, we can't be shaken at all. Because it says, I shall not be even remotely shaken. Not even a little shaken. When he becomes our hope and we place our hope in him for life, not just for eternity, but for day-to-day life, for living, 
In him we live and move and have our being. When we do that, nothing can even shake us even in the slightest. And that was a revelation to me from God that when so, much, so many times I just leave God as my savior. He's my savior and I, oh, I love that about him and he saved me from hell and he saved me from my sin, but my hope is in me to do the things that I need to do. When I do that, oh man, can I be shaken. I can't be greatly shaken because my salvation is set. But all the little things in life shake me real bad. They shake me to my core. And I cannot be still. And I also find it really interesting in Psalm 62, 4. They only plan, this is, this is David speaking of his enemies. His enemies, like what they're going to do to him. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. And then there's this phrase, Selah or Selah, however you want to pronounce it. Either way is fine. It's a musical term. It's a musical term that means to rest. And I've been looking at at the Psalms and I'm finding that these musical phrases are placed in some very specific places within Scripture. And I think it's telling not only the musicians to rest, but I think it's telling all the readers and singers to rest as well. Because in this one, it's essentially saying rest when everything is going crazy. When you have personal attacks, when you are hurt, when no one seems to be on your side, you should rest then. You should say la. You should take a pause and recognize, am I being shaken in this moment? My outside external may be shaken, but am I to my core, am I shaken right now? Or am I able to be silent before my God and be at rest before my God? Because if I'm not able to be at rest, I need to take a pause and figure out why. In Psalm 62, 8, it says it again. But this time, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Sometimes when we're worshiping, we need to rest there too. In the middle of our worship, we need to pause and take an inventory of, am I singing this because I'm supposed to and it's what we do on Sunday mornings? Or am I singing this because I need it? Am I singing it because I believe it? Am I singing it because it's helping my soul be at rest and at peace? Because I think what David is doing here is telling us whether things are great or bad, should probably rest just a minute. Should rest just a minute to make sure that your insides are still, that your soul is in silence. It's not loud and and screaming at you and it's not demanding things because that's what my soul does. It demands its own way. I don't know about you guys, but my soul likes to demand that it gets what it wants immediately. But sometimes I'm supposed to wait. I'm supposed to wait patiently and in silence for God to do what God is going to do. Actually, let me say that. To wait for God to do what only God can do. Because I'm learning, the older I get, I'm going to turn 36 in a couple weeks, I know, I'm getting old. Turning 36 in a couple weeks, every year that passes, I'm learning more and more. I can't solve any of my own problems. All the things that really cause my soul to be shaken are way outside of my control. But what does my soul do? It yells at me to go do that and do this and take care of this and talk to that person and handle it and do it. And sometimes my soul just needs to 
Let God be God and let God do what only God can do. So if you can find rest in the middle of stress, that's your first step for it being well with your soul. And your second one is when you can worship. Oh my word. If you can worship through it, you can survive anything. It's those times that that things come in and place a wedge between us and God through worship. For some of you, it may be Bible reading. Maybe, Maybe that is where you find rest for your soul. But you know things are too much when you go to Scripture and there is a divide between you and what you read. For some of you, it's prayer. For some of you, it's prayer, but you need to take a minute and recognize those times when life has come in and placed a wedge between you and God in prayer, and it feels like your prayer is just hitting the ceiling and coming right back. Whatever it is, because these are, these are my two, I'm just going to be honest, rest and worship are the two that God is showing me. If I can do these, I'll be fine. For others of you, it's, it's, worship, it's prayer and, and Bible reading, and that's fine. Or it's spending time with family, that's fine. You need to do all those things. Whatever your thing is, you need to do it. But what we have to recognize is the times when life becomes too big that it separates us from the thing that connects us to God's Spirit most. And I think all of us universally could use more rest both physically and for our soul. And I think if we're honest, a lot of us find connection with God in worship. No matter what the songs are, you've got, every single one of you, if I asked, what's that one song that just connects you to God? Every single person's got one. You hear it and it's like tears almost start welling up. You get like that I can't breathe in your chest because it's like, this is, I've interacted with God through this song before. We've all been there. And in Psalm 103, look at the first five verses here. As you're turning there, I'll give you a little overview of Psalm 103. Psalm 103 um, begins the end of book four in the Psalms. The Psalms are broken up into five different books. And it's the, the, the beginning of the ending of the fourth book in the Psalms. Uh, fun fact, there are zero requests found in Psalm 103. I think that's amazing. It's a fairly lengthy psalm, a psalm but there's no request. David doesn't ask for anything. He is just praising God. I think that's where I struggle so many times. If my soul's not at rest, my worship is asking for things instead of just worshiping God. Because my soul is screaming for me to do things and do action and do different things. And so sometimes my prayer becomes not because I'm trying to connect with God, but because I'm trying to make him my Santa Claus and I'm presenting him with my list of things that he should give me because I've been a good boy. And worship can be the same way, and I love Psalm 103 because David doesn't make a single request. Verses 1 through 6 are personal praise that you individually should praise. Verses 7 through 19 is that the nation of Israel should be praising because they're God's people. And then Psalm, I mean, verses 20 through 22 is that everything should praise God, every single thing. So let's look at verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We worship when we remember the benefits that God has for us. Sometimes we forget all the things that God has done for us, and all the things that God can do for us, and all the things that God will do for us. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes when God doesn't do the things that I want him to do exactly when I want him to do them, I forget that he is all-powerful and all-capable and is wanting to come through for me in lots of different areas. I'll get, I'll get super ticked off because he didn't help me here, and what I'll do is I'll take that and place it on all the things I want God to do. Well, he didn't help me here, so he's not going to help me there, and he's not going to help me there, and he's not going to help me there, and I'm going to throw a giant adult pity party because he didn't help me in this one spot. Fun fact, he did, just not the way I wanted him to. That's the truth. Because I want what I want when I want it, and God's like, eh, that's not how I work. Because sometimes God will do things for other people through me that didn't benefit me at all. I don't like that at all. I want to be benefited. I want to be blessed. I want to have the good life. And sometimes God says, I want to use you to bless that person and give you nothing. Well, then you're going to do that over here, and you're going to do that over here, and you're going to do that over here, and you don't like me at all. And we all do it. Every single one of us in this room has been there before. Like, we throw a pity party because God's not giving us what we want when we want it. And David is saying, oh, no, 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 no. Don't forget all of his benefits. Don't you dare forget all the things that God has already done for you and all the things that he's capable of doing for you. And then he goes on to tell you what they are. Who forgives all our iniquity, who heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. But he starts the first two verses with bless the Lord. Bless the Lord means to delight his heart. When I studied the, the, the Hebrew phrase there, it was amazing to me. Now, I don't speak Hebrew much people much smarter than me, told me these things, okay? Like, please don't think that Brian understands or reads Hebrew. But it means to delight his heart. And when it comes to worship, oh man, do I struggle in that sometimes. Because I want worship to bless my heart. I want worship to connect with me. I want the songs to be the songs that I like. I want it to be in the tempo I like, and I want the lights to be the way I want them, and I want people to sing the way that they should. But that's not what worship is about. Worship is about blessing his heart. And it's by expressing your love and gratitude for all he is and all he has done. That's worship. And that doesn't take a song. That doesn't take a song to do that. You can do that in prayer. You can do that in your lifestyle. You can do that in every aspect of your life. Every minute of your life can be spent in worship. When we understand that when we bless the Lord, we are, I love it, delighting his heart. When we express to him how great he is, when we express to him how much we understand his love and how much we want, even if we're not good at it, how much we want to be better at loving him and how much better we want to be at loving others and how much better we want to be at mothers and fathers and, and, and brothers and sisters and we want to be better, we want to be better. God, show me how to be better. That delights his heart because we're admitting that he's capable of doing those things in us. It doesn't matter what the song is or the tempo is or if the lights are up or the lights are down or everyone's singing or no one's singing or in you're in your car by yourself. Don't close your eyes when you pray. If you're, I mean, when you worship, when you're driving, don't do that. Not good. But you can have a solid worship session on your way to work all the time. I remember when I was in law enforcement, there was more than once 
that I was really happy that I always arrived five to 10 minutes early because there are times in the short drive from my house to the police department, I would be in tears because of what God was doing when I worshiped him and I'd have to like, cause you know, you can't like walk into a police station in full uniform, like tears coming down, that's not cool, can't do it. So I'd have to like compose myself and recognize like, okay, get it together, get it together, get it together. But I was so overwhelmed because I felt that I delighted his heart in that moment. And I said earlier that I don't do that well because I want worship to delight my heart. Well, the worship that delights my heart the most is what delights his heart. Because when I delight his heart, he shines on me and his love and his spirit and his presence fill me to the brim and I can't help but have emotion. I can't help but want to sing more. Even if I don't know the words of the song, I'll hum it out. And let's be honest, Christian songs are pretty easy to pick up. So like the second verse, I'm down. I understand what it is. Even if I don't know the verses, I'll know the chorus and I'll definitely know the bridge, right? The bridge is where we sing it seven, eight times, and it's cool, okay? Because it becomes an anthem. Let me tell you why we do that. It's because sometimes you have to convince yourself it's true, okay? If any of you have kids, you know exactly why we do the bridge seven or eight times, okay? If any of you have kids that are anything like my children, I love you, Colin, anything like my children, you got to tell them seven, eight, ten, four hundred and sixty-five times. And so sometimes we need to do the bridge seven, eight, nine, four hundred and sixty-five times for, before we understand that's true. And it delights his heart when we understand his truth. And then David says that we're supposed to worship with all that is within me. Whew, this one is rough. Because it comes, it connects with Mark 12, 28 through 21. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your God with all that is within you. That's how we're supposed to worship. The number one command is to love God with everything that's in you, and you do that primarily through your love for others, but when we congregate together, we primarily do that through our worship of Him. And I understand, like, I'm a weird person, and I, like, I have no problem waking up and singing first. Like, that doesn't bother me at all. For a lot of people, it's like, man, I've only had one cup of coffee. I'm not really ready. Like, it's still pretty early. I'm not really ready to sing. I'll be honest, Scripture doesn't care. <laughs> well, I had a bad week, and I just had a fight with my wife, and, and I'm, I'm, Scripture doesn't care. <laughs> scripture says that when we congregate together, even when we don't, one of the best ways for you to have peace within your soul is to worship through anything. For a lot of time when I was in, uh, in a lot of time when I was, since I've been in ministry, for the long time I would tell students all the time, what I want you to do is I want you to push aside every distraction that can separate you from worship right now. Like I just want you to like push it aside. I've actually stopped doing that. And I tell them, I want you to imagine everything that's too hard in your world right now. And I want you to imagine it piled up before you. And I want you to use all of that teenage obstinance and angst. And I want you to worship God in spite of all of that crap. Like standing in front of it, like you're not going to tell me when I can and cannot worship. I will tell you when I can and cannot worship. Like all the things that kids want to say to their parents if they don't because they're well behaved. Say that to all the junk that's in your life when you're worshiping. You don't determine life when I worship. I will worship when I want to, when I need to, and you're going to just have to deal with it. And I think way too often we let the stuff pile up and it's like we can't even see God in worship anymore. Because the pile of junk from life is too big and we just don't get through it very often. 
Because I've been really challenged. If, if I think that worship was lacking, that's on me, not on anybody else. I didn't engage. I didn't worship with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I didn't try and bless the Lord. I let life dictate to me when I'm going to worship my God, not the other way around. Because when we find rest in God, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through resting, whether it's through worship, whether it's through Bible study, we receive six incredibly special blessings that we find in Psalm 103. There's six blessings from God that when we find rest in our soul, we find these to be true. And when we find these to be true, we will not be greatly shaken nor shaken whatsoever. The first three are talking about being greatly shaken. When we find rest in our soul, when we don't let the outside enter us, we recognize that we've been forgiven, healed, and redeemed. When you recognize those that you are completely and totally forgiven, 100% forgiven, that by his stripes you have been healed and you have been redeemed from the pit of hell to spend eternity with God himself, that should cause you some peace within your soul. That should cause you the ability to worship worship to an off-key banjo playing kumbaya. Like, yes, that's my jam. Let's do it. I've been redeemed. I've been healed. I've been forgiven. Let's praise God. When we find rest, when we are able to slow our soul down, we won't be greatly shaken because we recognize our forgiveness, our healing, and our redemption. But then the final three, we recognize that we're loved, that we can find full satisfaction and complete renewal in God. When we see those, we won't even be a little bit shaken. Even the little things in life won't shake us anymore. Because in him I find love. In him I find what my soul needs most to be loved unconditionally without question no matter what I do or where I go. But also I find that I am completely and totally satisfied. That nothing in this, everything in this world can bring me momentary satisfaction. It can, that's the hard part. If sin was awful, none of us would struggle with it. But sin brings momentary satisfaction, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this overarching, overall life satisfaction that allows us to have complete and total peace in our soul. Outside, we could be moving 100 miles an hour because that's what God has asked us to do, but the whole time, our soul is satisfied. And we can be renewed, and I love ending with this one because I think this is where a lot of us are at right now whether it's COVID-19 or, or the stuff that's going on in our world right now or the, the protests and the different things and an election upcoming and all the different things that are happening in our world right now, I think a lot of us are just worn down. We're just exhausted physically, emotionally, mentally, and we need to be renewed. And that renewal comes when we can take a minute to say la, like David said, to rest whether everything outside of us is bad or whether everything outside of us is good, but take a minute to rest, to be restored, to be renewed, to find life again. And that's why I'm so happy we're ending with worship because that gives us an opportunity to pile up everything in front of us that has caused us stress, that has caused us anxiety, that has caused our soul not to be able to rest and to obstinately stand before it and say, you don't control when I worship. In fact, world, you don't control when my soul rests. I actually do that. 
I have the authority to tell the world to back up so my soul can find rest. And it finds its rest in God alone. Any other place just causes us more stirring, more agitation. But when we stop and recognize, let's look at them again, that we're forgiven, we're healed, and we are fully redeemed. That should cause us to want to worship God no matter what song is being played. No matter what the venue is, no matter who's around, that should cause us to praise God. But then, the fact that we're fully loved and we can find total satisfaction and complete renewal. Because we find these when we move God from our salvation to our hope. And in Him, we live and move and have our being. We find total rest for our soul. Because that's what eternity is going to be. Where our soul is at complete and total peace. I think a lot of us would love this morning to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this morning rest in our soul. Rest to the core of who we are. We may be physically tired. We may be emotionally tired. We may be mentally exhausted. But the thing that matters most, our soul and its connection with God can be totally and perfectly well. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you care deeply about our souls. You care deeply about how we're doing. And you've given us so many different ways to find rest and to find peace. And God, worship and, and resting for our soul are just a few of them. God, whatever it is for people, let them do it today. Let them find a moment today to pause the craziness of life, to step away, to say la, to pause, and to figure out how to find rest for our souls. God, may we be like David and, and say that before God, may my soul be silent. May I not be caught in the rat race of trying to do more things and, and strive and pull myself up by my bootstraps and just get things accomplished. But God, may we find peace and rest for the core of who we are as we stop striving, as we stop wrestling, but God, also as we worship you. And as we're about to do in just a few minutes, God, I pray that our worship is something special this morning. Not because of the songs or because of the setting or because of anything I've said, but because our soul needs rest and it needs to find its peace in you. And so God, may we not just sing the words of the song, but may we recognize that you're singing them back over us. That you want us to have peace. You want us to be blessed. As we delight your heart, you delight ours. And so this morning, may we remove ourselves from this worship moment and truthfully make it all about you and blessing your heart and delighting your heart this morning. God, we love you. Help us to love you better. Help us to love others better. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.